The statistics are grim. One in five working moms say they've been passed over for an important assignment or for a promotion because they have children. And women who take even one year off to have kids come back to earn 40% less than their peers. Working moms outpace, outperform, and outwork their peers. So why don't companies make an effort to support working moms? And how can working moms advocate for themselves in the workplace and in their careers? Frankly, we're tired of asking for a seat at the table. It's time to make our own table, and we're going to talk about how. I'm Zabine Mirza, and this is Moms at Work. Friends and fans, welcome to another episode of Moms at Work. Of course, this is the official podcast of Jobs.Mom, and I'm your host, Zabine Mirza, here today with an exciting and very important episode, if I might say so myself. Um, When we talk about working for equality, working for equity, and working to support mothers in the workplace, it's not just about saying that we do. It's not just about showing uh, on social media uh, that we do cute infographics, commercials, marketing campaigns. That's all great, but that doesn't feed our moms. That doesn't help our moms, and that doesn't put moms to work. We do have, though, today a very, very special guest that's been doing some incredibly impactful work um, in the space of uh, women's rights, mothers' rights, and supporting women and mothers in every which way possible in the workplace and the workforce and beyond. And she's going to tell us today what it means to actually practice what you preach instead of being uh, more of a performative sort of ally. So I have here today with me Kristen Rowe Finkbeiner. She is the CEO and Executive Director of Moms Rising. Kristen, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Now, Kristen, I'm just looking at your bio and it's so incredibly impressive. I mean, um, I'll just I'll just do the the highlights. So started in May 2006, Moms Rising is an on-the-ground and online organization with more than one million members working together to increase family economic security, to end discrimination against women and mothers, and to build a nation where both businesses and families can thrive. And I think the most incredible thing is is these things were relevant in 2006 when you started it, and it's relevant 15 years later, Kristen, in 2021 when we're having the same conversation. So tell us a little bit about Moms Rising, Kristen. Well, Moms Rising came together through friend telling friend, mom telling mom, caregiver telling caregiver, grown-up telling grown-up, that together we have the ability to make significant needed changes. We like to say everyone with a belly button can be involved. And our mission is to increase family economic security, decrease discrimination, and build a country where everyone can thrive. And that means making sure that the contributions and the needs of moms are reflected in our states and our nation's policies. We're behind. Our country's behind other industrialized nations. We haven't yet caught up to the composition of modern families or to the modern labor force. So we have a lot to do. Absolutely. And, you know, when, when we talk about women and when we talk about mothers in the workplace, a lot of people throw this word around equality. And to that, I always say equality is kind of unambitious, 
right? What we're looking for is equity, right? And, you know, people will say, what's the difference between equality and equity? And, and really, equality means, and I have the definition here, so I don't bungle this, but equality means each individual or group of people is given the same resources or opportunities, whereas equity recognizes that each person has different circumstances and allocates the exact resources and opportunities needed to reach an equal outcome. So what you're doing, Kristen, is for equity. Talk to us a little bit about what Moms Rising has been doing in the field of, of, of promoting equity for mothers at work. Well, I want to just dive into that a little bit about equity, because that's a really, really, really important point that you raised. One of the key premises of Moms Rising is that there is no gender justice without racial justice and without economic justice. And when we're starting into the conversation about solutions, and we're working on a lot of solutions, I'm really excited to talk with you about, but the problems are important to lay a groundwork too for the solutions. And there's no better way to show the need for equity and equity and policies than looking at the wage gap and the disproportionate wage gaps that are happening with moms. So being a mom is a greater predictor of wage and hiring discrimination than gender is right now. And moms of color are experiencing compounded wage hits due to structural racism. This means that black moms are making just 50 cents to every dollar paid to white dads, that Latina moms are paid just 45 cents for every dollar paid to white dads, that Native American moms are paid just 47 cents, that white non-Hispanic moms are paid just 69 cents, and that Asian American and Pacific Islander moms are paid just 89 cents to every dollar paid to white Hispanic fathers. This shows the need for a true change, transformative change to happen so that we can build a country where truly every child, every family, every mother, and our economy can thrive. And you know, that's that's so powerful to hear those statistics, and it's really heavy to hear those numbers, right? And I'm a woman of color. I'm a mother of three young children. Um, all of you that are listening, um, you've 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 heard my story. You've you've read my story. I have been discriminated against time and time again, employer after employer, solely because I chose to have children. I've certainly been on the receiving end of the gender pay gap. Now. Kristen, we're going to talk about something right now, and I and you need to say it. I think we need to say it out loud. We know the gender gap exists. We know about the motherhood penalty that it's called. That for every subsequent child, a woman that you know a woman chooses to have, her earnings also correspondingly decrease. But I think we are not honest with ourselves as a society as to why the gender gap exists, the gender pay gap, the motherhood pay gap. We know it exists. Why? Why does this gap exist, Kristen? Well, that's a complicated question. And one of the things to start in, to center us in, is that too often we've blamed the gender gap, the maternal penalty on individual moms. And I just want to share with everybody who's listening that when this many people are experiencing the same types of struggles, in the same types of storms, but in different boats, 
We don't have an epidemic of personal failure. It is not your fault if you are experiencing a feeling that, oh my gosh, I just can't do it all. It's very hard to do it all right now. And we can see that in the wage gaps. We can see that in the statistics about what's happening across our country. Instead, what we have is a need for national structural solutions. And the beautiful thing is, is there's no one answer to how to get us out of this extreme discrimination situation, but there's multiple answers. And we know how we can lift families, lift moms, get to gender justice, racial justice, and economic justice. And that's through passing a whole host of policies. We need to raise the minimum wage. Women are three quarters of minimum wage earners with the majority of minimum wage earners being women and moms of color. We need to make sure that we have paid family medical leave for everyone of all genders so that we know that we can have caregivers of all genders and the default discrimination doesn't just come down onto moms. We need to make sure that we have access to high quality, affordable childcare and that childcare workers, many of whom are also moms, by the way, are paid fair wages. We need to make sure that we have a guaranteed minimum number of sick days. We need to get through fair pay legislation like the Paycheck Fairness Act so that we can really look at equal pay for equal work. We know that together, these policies and other countries have helped decrease the wage gaps between moms and non-moms in very significant ways, as they've also boosted our economy. We just had the Federal Reserve chairperson. You could have knocked me over with a feather. This was not something we asked them to do. Jerome Powell came out last week in the New York Times. People can Google it because I was like, wait, what? That's amazing who said that our lack of a care infrastructure in the United States of America is hurting our overall economy and our world competitiveness. Most other nations have these policies, like for example, 177 countries have some form of paid family medical leave. Most other countries are doing better than we are at addressing the fact that we have a caring crisis in America. Look, the wages of moms are needed to keep families afloat, and we cannot afford, literally cannot afford, to keep paying moms less for equal work. It's ridiculous. And yes, my hair is lighting on fire. And yes, everybody can get involved at momsrising.org. If your hair is lighting on fire, and I hope it is, because this is a big problem. Fortunately, there's big solutions, but this is a big problem. And if your hair is lighting on fire, you can get involved at momsrising.org for free. We're your one-stop advocacy shop. <laughs> That's amazing. And, and Kristen, you know, the, the, the work that you're doing at, at Moms Rising is so incredible because we need we need active advocates for this because these are this is one of those issues that's so easy to kind of fall to the end of the line to the bottom of the pile we'll get to it we'll get to it we'll get to it and it's so funny cuz you'll see these signs of of you know older women people's grandmas in the streets holding signs that say i can't believe i still have to protest this s h i t right this is an ongoing endless um, struggle. Now, there's a few things there, a, a lot of threads that, that I think we need to follow. The first thing is about the minimum wage. You know, when we're talking about a fair wage, right, it's, it's not necessarily just about having a minimum wage. It needs to be a living wage. How many people can actually live on the minimum wage? Zero. 
Zero people can comfortably live on the minimum wage if we were to increase the minimum wage to the 15%, uh, $15, which is still abysmally low in comparison to where it should be if we took inflation into account, it would still not be a living wage, right? And when mothers who are a disproportionate recipient of minimum wage work and, and salaries, right, struggle to pay their bills, the economy suffers. So you had mentioned the, the chairman of, of the Fed. He mentioned that, and I saw it, and I almost fell over in my chair too. I couldn't believe it that he was, he was saying these things. But there is a real economic loss to our GDP when mothers don't work. And I think it was quantified at something like $54.5 billion. That's a real loss. And when we talk to companies, so at jobs.mom, a lot of the work that we're doing that, that very much closely aligns to what Moms Rising is doing is we're really highlighting front and center the companies that are doing right by the women in the workplace and connecting moms to those employers. And we're telling these companies, listen, if you don't care about anything else, not the morality of it, not the ethics of it, not the reputational impact of it, if you care about nothing else, care about the fact that when you take care of the women in your workforce, your business does better. You are more profitable. You are better poised in the market. Your bottom line looks more robust right? And the next thing that I'm going to talk about, Kristen, that I'd like to ask you about is you mentioned, especially now, right? COVID has cracked this nightmare wide open as it pertains to women. There is a childcare crisis. There is no reason that our economy should come to a grinding halt because there is nobody to look after the kids, right? So talk to us a little bit about, Kristen, COVID, the impact on the working mom, and some of the some of the fallout we're seeing from this failed infrastructure we have. Well, the data is in, and the pandemic is having an outsized impact on women and moms, with women and moms of color experiencing compounded health and economic harms due to structural racism. We can see that women have lost more than a million more jobs than men over this pandemic. That is significant. We can also see that more than a quarter of moms or women actually overall between the ages of 21 and 34 have been pushed out of the labor force due to lack of childcare. This is a big problem. We have a 30-year low in women's job participation. This is a setback for gender and racial equality. This is a setback for companies. This is a setback for our economy. And this is important to raise right now because as you said, Having women and moms in the labor force benefits us all. Let's take a step back. There's not one, two, or three moms in the United States of America. 86% of women become moms by the time they're 44 years old. And women and moms make the majority of purchasing decisions in our consumer-fueled economy. Our GDP is 72% based on consumer spending. If moms aren't paid equally, if women don't have funds to spend, then we all lose out. If we had pay parity, 50% of children would be brought out of poverty and our GDP would go up by at least 5%. So this is a situation where it's a win-win. From the corporate side, it's a win-win too. We know that when we have policies like paid family medical leave, guaranteed minimum number of sick days, access to affordable childcare, that there's higher retention, higher recruitment, lower retraining costs, and importantly, 
greater overall productivity. In fact, a Pepperdine University study over 19 years of all 500 of the 500 Fortune 500 companies found that those companies did better across all measures in terms of corporate profit when they had more women and moms in leadership positions. That's because, again, women and moms are the biggest consumers. We make those consumer purchasing decisions. So we truly all lose out when we push moms out. And we literally are pushing moms out. A lot of people are like, Kristen, is this moms making a decision to not work? Is this, you know, some type of, again, we go into this blaming of moms? No, 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 no. None of that here. There was a Cornell University and a Stanford University study that is one of my favorite studies about this because it is so good at explaining the problem. They did a study and there were two pieces of paper. On these pieces of paper were equal resumes and job experiences. One difference. One noted that they were a mom and the other noted that they weren't a mom. Moms were hired 80% less of the time for the same resume as non-moms. They were offered $11,000 lower starting salaries. But, and here's the kicker, dads were offered $6,000 more. So we've got a double, triple, quadruple standard and whammy here going on <laughs> where people are assuming implicit bias that moms work isn't needed to put food on the table. That's wrong. That's completely wrong. Our work, our labor, we're the primary breadwinner and more than 40% of families and a key breadwinner and more than three quarters of families. And again, we're fuel our economy. And the other study that goes along with that, that I think is just important to raise while we're on top of this area of study is that, um, Moms with equal resumes were taken off the management track for fewer late days than non-moms, so they are judged more harshly in the labor force. So we don't just need policy change, which we do need policy change yesterday. All of us do, and that's going to help everyone. We also need to check our implicit biases. So anybody out there, when you're thinking about whether to hire a mom, when you're thinking about whether to advance a mom, when you're thinking about moms in the labor force, just have a little breather, take three deep breaths and have a conversation with yourself and say, hello, am I having any inadvertent, accidental gender or racial biases? Have a conversation with your biases. We know they're there. There's not a committee of people saying, be mean to moms and women of color. We know that the biases are happening around us. It's in the air we breathe. It's in the water we're swimming in. And so just have that little moment to have that conversation with yourself and say, am I having a biased opinion in my hiring and advancement decisions? So anyway, soapbox ended. <laughs> I love it. Well, but but you're you're preaching to the choir here, Kristen, because this is, you know, this is the torch that I've been carrying in the street for years. And I think so important, two things that you said. Number one, the biases. I would argue that some of those biases, they know very well that they are making the biased decision because the gap, the, the so if we're talking about the motherhood penalty where you're paid eleven thousand less, on the other side, fathers for every child they have, they make more. We're the ones that destroy our bodies, can't pee properly, everything hurts, <laughs> we've got the stretch marks, right? It's it's. But we're getting paid less for every subsequent child, whereas fathers, fathers are getting paid more, number one. Number two, it's not even just that they assume, which in itself is infuriating, that women don't need to make as much is that they compensate mothers less because they believe that they are not as committed, as capable, as productive. Oh, Zabine's not going to be able to take the call at 10 p.m. at night. You know what? 
Nobody should take the call at 10 p.m. at night, right? There is there is a, a line that you need to draw and boundaries that you need to create to foster a properly inclusive culture. So it's on purpose. A lot of it is on purpose. And you know what, Kristen? I've been on interviews where they have asked me, do you have children? I was, Lord, I couldn't believe it. And I was much younger at the time, so I wasn't as as unafraid, right? And I, I wasn't as scared. But the second time it happened, because it happened more than once, I asked, why does it matter? Why are you asking? And do you ask your male candidates if they have children, right? Why does it matter? You know, it matters because they start believing that we're not going to be as competent, punctual, professional, put together, what have you. It's unfair. And that goes hand in hand with the last thing that you said, Kristen, that is like music to my ears. When you treat mothers well, everybody does better. All women do better. Men in the workforce do better. Because you know what? Younger women, when they are being hired, it is factored into the hiring that she is of childbearing age. And if she hasn't had children yet, she most likely will. And that does play a role into how employers hire, whether they'll say it out loud or they won't. They're doing it. And like Kristen said, have a conversation with your biases. Kristen, I love that. And I'm going to I'm going to say that. <laughs> have a conversation with your biases and stop. Stop doing it because at the end of the day, as a business, you are hurting yourself. You are hurting yourself, right? Now, now Kristen, talk to us about these, you know, you have been in an incredible advocate in this space for such a long time. What advice would you give to women, to mothers that have been fired, furloughed, forced out of the workforce as they prepare or try to get back into the workplace as, as we at jobs.mom start fighting for them back to get them back? What advice would you give these women? Never give up. Know that there is a movement of moms and people who love them that is over a million strong behind you all the way. And don't forget to make sure to raise your voice at the state and federal level to advance structural change that allows everyone to thrive in a better way. And I mention this because a lot of time people think, oh my gosh, you know, my voice, my one voice, my individual voice is not going to make a difference. Well, I'm here to tell you, and I'm humbled to tell you that because of my ability and um, just the wonderful um, opportunity to work at Moms Rising, I have seen moms' voices move mountains. You know, it is in no small part because of the voices of moms that we got the Affordable Care Act through and got 30 million people covered in health care and that we helped, helped save the Affordable Care Act more than once. It's in no small part because of moms. Just now we had over um, 800,000 constituent contacts making sure that we can move forward COVID relief that helped get those direct payments out, that helped increase UI, that helped get the temporary pandemic leave, that helped get um, extended unemployment insurance, that helped get TANF and WIC extended. So all of those programs, it might sound kind of boring sometimes, but they are moving forward because the voices of moms. And if you share your story for example, either you have access to healthcare or you don't have access to healthcare. Either way, you have a story. Either you have access to childcare or you don't have access to childcare. Either way, you have a story. If you share your story, that has huge power. And it has huge power in three ways. One, 
the media often miss our stories <laughs> and they miss sharing what's really going on with people. So having the stories about mom's real experiences in the media, like what you're doing, is so key. Similarly, elected leaders. Sharing your story with elected leaders helps them create public policy that does actually reflect the contributions and needs of moms and families. And also sharing your story the third way is it really helps let people know they're not alone. Again, when this many people are facing similar types of crises at the same time, we don't have an epidemic of personal failures. We have national structural issues that we can and must solve together. And so for people who are looking for jobs, for people who are struggling, just know that you're not alone that there are millions of people behind you all the way, and that we're not just behind you in this moment, but we're behind you for structural change as well. And I think that's that's such a beautiful thing. And, and you're right. It's mothers that are pushing the ball forward. And when I talk about ball forward, what I mean is a boulder uphill this mountain, right? <laughs> By ourselves. That's, that's the ball that we're really talking about. But it's mothers against drunk driving. It's mothers against gun violence. It's mothers against this, mothers against that. Anytime there's somebody somewhere being hurt, slighted, prejudiced, or discriminated against, there is a mom that stands up to, the, to, to that institution, to that person, because that's intrinsically, inherently who mothers are, right? We protect, we care, we nurture, and, and, and that's what mothers are, 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 are wired to do. And so moms rising, yes, Kristen, you know, incredible. Everybody that's listening, one million moms, right? One million moms at Moms Rising. Now, Kristen, you mentioned talking to your legislators, talking to your representatives. This could be a very daunting thing for a lot of people. Where do I go? How do I look? I know Moms Rising has really simplified that process. Tell people a little bit about how you can support them. We are a member service organization. And all you have to do is go to the Moms Rising website. We are free. I like to mention that we're free. <laughs> And we do the work of figuring out when mom's voices are needed, where, why, and how. And then we bring you a whole bunch of engagement opportunities, which you can say no to all of them, one of them, half of them, whatever you have time to do, because you're not alone and there's so many other people who are also raising their voices, whatever time you have is going to make an impact. For example, we have a text to call going right now where you can text relief now to 747-464 will give you a quick tutorial on a script that you can say to your member of Congress about the COVID relief that families need. And then we connect you directly. You don't even have to dial yourself to your member of Congress's office and you could share that script with them. Also, when you sign up with us, we are regularly sending um, action alerts with links that you just have to click and we automatically connect you to being able to share with your member of Congress or your state legislator or whoever needs talking to, whoever needs a talking to, we will connect you directly to them and so that you can do that talking to. And we always share samples of what people can say. And we offer a lot of sign-on opportunities, too. Similarly, we have letter to the editor tools. We have story collection tools. We've got lots of tools. And we have fellow programs all across the country for leadership development as well. So there's a lot of layers of engagement. And we know moms are busy. So we offer lots of avenues for engagement. 
and we have what we like to call an aggressively welcoming rainbow for change. There is no judgment. We understand that people are busy. You know, you might be able to do, you know, an hour or a half hour or five hours one week. And then for the next six weeks, you might be able to do five minutes because we are juggling a lot. That is the problem. We are juggling more than is humanly possible. You know, in our homes, we're the doctor, we're the lawyer, we're the psychologist, we're the everythingist, right, in our homes right now. And we're also working in the paid labor force. And so we are here and we're also on Twitter at Moms Rising and on um, Facebook at Moms Rising. And we're also in Spanish, Mamas Con Poder, on Twitter and Facebook and more. Amazing. And you know what? This is, you really feel that this is an organization built by moms because moms don't got time to write up a script and dial the number. I mean, it was so funny. I was laughing. You're like, we'll even dial them for you. You don't even have to dial. We will dial you in, Sabine, right? Amazing, amazing, amazing. And that's real advocacy and that's real grassroots campaign support. And um, we appreciate that so much. Now, Kristen, the last piece of advice I'll ask you um, to the employers, right? Uh, to the employers, especially in COVID, we're seeing a lot of feel-good campaigns. And I am a hard-hearted, closed <laughs> cynic. So, you know, I sit there a lot and I'm, you know, I, I, I try not to roll my eyes. But I have, I have been a victim of the pandemic. I have been the victim of a lot of prejudice and discrimination in the workforce for many, many years, as have so many millions of mothers. So when I see these commercials that probably cost more than what would cost the employer to just pay the women in their workplace equally if they started there. I find it really hard to not snort out loud. But <laughs> what advice would you give to these employers that, you know, that say that they are, you know, inclusive and how can they really be that, Kristen? Many employers, not all, need to check their internal and external policies, but particularly their internal policies. One tip for how to make sure that you are having better fair pay in your <laughs> company. And let me tell you, when you have fair pay, you have better, higher employee retention and higher employee performance. So this is a win-win, is to have a title for each job, have the range of salary for each job, and then the job responsibilities for each job. And don't start moving outside of those titles and ranges and job responsibility. If people need a higher or lower pay, then they need a higher or lower title and job responsibility. And that is really important because not only does that work, but then each year, at least annually, if not quarterly, an equity analysis using the job title the uh, scope of work and the salary range should happen in most companies. And that is a win-win. Again, we're getting higher productivity and higher performance and higher retention when we have fairer pay inside businesses. So I encourage all businesses who are listening to try doing a fair pay metrics internally and also to have family economic security policies. Studies after studies show that when you have paid family medical leave, when you have a guaranteed minimum of sick days, when you have access to affordable childcare and healthcare, that actually that pays off in the long run. It's no surprise that most major companies who are bringing in a lot of revenue have those policies in place, <laughs> right? They kind of go together. But unfortunately, right now you have to win the boss lottery 
in order to have those policies in place. So we don't just want companies to adopt those policies. We want national structural change so that we have um, a social insurance programs across the entire company uh, country so that companies of all sizes can have access to things like paid family medical leave, guaranteed uh, sick time, as well as affordable childcare and healthcare. So we're all in for change, but there's a lot that companies can do in the meantime. Absolutely. And certainly it's within their ability to do that. I think a lot of it is that companies, I do see it very positively, especially in COVID, a lot of companies moving in the right direction, Kristen. I do see, you know, um, even the hardened cynic that I am, I see a lot of, I see a lot of change, right? And then I am hopeful and I am optimistic and what was it that you said? The aggressive welcome rainbow? What was it? Aggressively, aggressively welcoming rainbow of change. Yes, that's, that's <laughs> what we are looking for. The aggressively welcoming rainbow of change. I will aggressively rainbow the crap out of all change uh, as it happens. Um, Kristen, we do want to share with you something um, that you may not know. Jobs.mom um, does choose a nonprofit organization to support and we will be donating proceeds from all sales of the Jobs.Mom merchandise to Moms Rising for the month of May in honor of Mother's Day, in honor of all the work that you're doing. So anyone that wants to purchase any of the Jobs.Mom merchandise, you can go to Jobs.Mom slash shop. All proceeds from sales will go directly to supporting the you don't have to even dial the number campaign that Kristen was talking about because we don't want to be dialing numbers and we want to make sure that, that that program keeps working, Kristen. So it's an honor for us to support you. It's an honor for us to work alongside you um, at jobs.mom. Our commitment is to get these moms back to work. And that works hand in hand with Moms Rising, who's making sure that the workplaces these moms are going to work in are truly equitable, are truly inclusive, are truly supportive. And it's only possible with partnerships like yours, Kristen. So thank you for everything that you do. Thank you to Moms Rising. And thank you for being here today with me on Moms at Work. Thank you so much. You just made our entire month, months, plural. Thank you. <laughs> my, my pleasure. And for those of you that are listening and are interested, again, you can follow uh, Kristen um, and all the work that she and Moms Rising is doing at momsrising.org. You'll find them all over social media. Um, uh, we will share in the episode description the links to the website as well as all of Kristen's social media handles. And Kristen, if there are any resources and links to studies, et cetera, the ones that you referenced, we can also share those uh, in the episode description. Again, uh, be the aggressively welcoming rainbow of change that you want to see in the world. Um, and as always, stay safe, stay sane, and we'll see you next time. Follow us on social media. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast and check out more episodes at jobs.mom slash moms at work. Assist.